0: Opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Generally speaking, we're closing out the year rapidly. Taking a look at the overall markets, they're generally speaking pretty pleased. Donald Trump signed the stimulus deal after pushing for higher payments. Expectations now are that the GDP, gross domestic product of the United States, will rise with said stimulus and that 2021 looks like it should be a pretty positive year. Again, consult a broker advisor for taking any action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. (coughs) Excuse me. Renowned strategist Tom Lee. Tom Lee talks a lot about investing and how to play different angles of wall street um i think he's good he's kind of like a jim kramer where he seems to be out there a little bit too often, a little bit too much in front of headlines but he's talking about stimulus should carry us through 2021 and invest wisely He's not telling you to be fearful. He's saying invest wisely. The stimulus is there. We should have a good 2021. Now, taking a look at how the markets opened in the final few trading sessions of the year, it was big. What's our next big catalyst? When the Dow Jones Industrial Average opens in record territory, you go, that's pretty big. What's going to be the next catalyst to get us to the next level that we get stuck at, and then we ultimately break through. The market can be assured that the government's not going to shut down. That sounds okay and reasonable. Eligible individuals are going to receive a $600 direct stimulus check as of maybe this week, next week as well. Supplemental $300 unemployment benefit will be paid for another 11 weeks and $284 billion will flow to the Small Business Administration and Payroll Support Program through March 31st. Those are all real (laughs) packs of stimulus for lack of a better way of phrasing what is stimulus or what is not, a plank, an effort, a platform. The gist of the matter is We're all kind of pleased at this point in time. This has been a good year for the stock market. It's been a bad year for humanity. There was some drama over the Christmas break of will President Trump sign the bill that he called a disgrace or not? Will he be able to get anything out of it as far as political leverage goes heading into the new year? The craziest theory that I'm hearing now is that some senators are just flat out not going to support the electoral college from their state, and that that may lead to martial law. I'm hoping not, but I guess you could say I won't be surprised, right? So we still have to get to the transition team in presidential politics, and that should create a little bit of volatility for the month of January. At the start of the new year, we still have to get through oh, those runoff elections, which will definitively shape what the president is allowed to spend or not spend easily. So that's out there. There'll be a broad based pulse of buying interest, ultimately, on the recovery trade story. Notice I haven't once brought up COVID 19 death tolls, even though the headlines were grim over the holidays. We kind of pushed them in the back of our heads. We said, oh, I'm not going to open up that story about ICUs out of beds in Los Angeles. It's Christmas time. Wow, right? So it's the party why the market hasn't negatively been impacted by the holiday party news. Um, retail sales were slightly disappointing through November 1 through December 24th. So the 2021 growth narrative will actually have to not only get that stimulus to people, but by the end of 2021, we're going to have to see a lot of job improvement. It doesn't have to be immediately, but by mid to late 2021, if we don't see that narrative, then we're not going to feel confident spending. And we'll have the same similar conversation this time next year. And no one really wants that. Wonder Woman 1984 scores the highest box office opening for of the year. I know you're saying, well, what's at me? <laughs> no, it's the highest box office opening of the pandemic. 16.7 million. Now, that's going to bring up a lot of question marks. Okay, so people are willing to venture out to movie theaters in a pandemic to see Gav Goodall. Warner Brothers, They said 16.7 million of people going to the movies has earned... A third movie, HBO Max had about 3.6 million direct retail customers as of October. It's unclear how many were added over the holiday period at this point in time prior to the release of Wonder Woman. Um, but ultimately it soared into theaters. Um, there just hasn't been much else out there, has there? Right, and it's I guess we're getting more and more comfortable. Knowing that a vaccine is out there, even though we need months and months and months of inoculations to equal anything worth of note. But it, people generally went to the movies and ultimately had a decent time. Warner Brothers said that nearly half of its HBO Max retail subscribers viewed Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. So we know it's at least half of 3.6 million, but we assume that the more people signed up. So, good for them. Um, I didn't watch it. I was hoping to. And then I got distracted. So, theatrical success of the film has led to a fast-track third installment of the Wonder Woman franchise. And good for Patty Jenkins. So, she wrote and directed the first one. So, she'll be at the helm for the third one. It's interesting. I don't even want to, like, it's tough to talk out loud about this, right? Um, the Croods, new age, uh, pulled in $10 million <laughs> over Thanksgiving. And you're like, that's not an impressive opening. But in the pandemic, I suppose that is a, an impressive opening. Take a look at the markets. We're in the green across the board. The Russell, the NASDAQ, the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, the S&P 500, then flipping the page, we see crude oil slightly higher, just a skosh. Gold and silver telling you, okay, that's kind of counterintuitive. They should be going lower if the stocks are going higher. Then you look at the 10-year treasury and it sits at 96 basis points and you go, well, that's still under one. As it approaches one, one and a f- 1.5 to 2.5, it will slow down the strength of equities. But again, we're not upset. We're not freaked out about this, I don't think. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Last week, things were kind of flat on Wall Street. It's been a very dramatic year. On Wall Street. We've come up with essentially five pillars to analyze the way 2021 will play out after 2020 closed the year at record highs on all three major indices as of today. The S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Dow Jones Duster Average. All the bluster that has been the political season hasn't really changed the outlook for stocks, has it? So in your head, start filing this away of, oh, yeah, I've been there. I've seen that. I've done that. Federal stimulus is one of the things we got in 2020 that we'll carry over in 2021. FOMC stimulus. Fed open market committee, the bankers of the United States government essentially said, you know, we don't really see inflation as an issue. We see jobs as problematic. We're gonna make money really, really cheap. And hordes and hordes of Americans refinanced their mortgages as well as took out mortgages, which should be good for the US economy going forward. Regularly scheduled lower payments. There's been a vaccine rollout that we feel pretty good about. We got to it in record time before the end of the year. <clears throat> and now we're seeing people regularly get shots on television and go, oh, that's good. <clears throat> Until one of them comes down with COVID because it's a new strain. Dun, dun, dun. Oh boy, that's let's hope that doesn't happen, right? So we got federal stimulus. We get FOMC stimulus. We get the vaccine rollout. We probably will have some divided government depending on how the elections go in Georgia. The night the lights went out in Georgia. And it's already been the most expensive Senate race in history as Republicans are flooding money in faster than Democrats, believe it or not. I don't know if that makes any sense, but having a family member who works in that industry of political expenditures, it's pretty insane how much money is flooding in. But keep in mind that we're also counting on no-double-dip recession to keep the stock market where it is now. And so far, the federal stimulus, the Federal Open Market Committee, the Federal Reserve stimulus, the vaccine rollout, the divided government, the no-double-dip recession should give us a good medium and long-term outlook for stocks. Short-term, all bets are off the table this year, ladies and gentlemen. Profit taking could ramp up, um, which has so far seen surprisingly strong returns. This year, the S&P 500 is up 15.4 percent. The Dow is up 6.4 percent. The Nasdaq is up 43.2 percent. As in the last nine months, the world has favored high-growth technology names. One big influential Apple analyst said, "There's no way Apple's going to make a car." But look for a deal with a car maker. Uh. (laughs) Right, Dr. Anthony Fauci warned on Sunday that the country could see a surge in new COVID-19 infections after Christmas and New Year's Eve celebrations. Even as Pfizer and Moderna have begun the distribution process. So the five things we're holding on to, federal stimulus we got, FOMC stimulus we got, vaccine rollout we have going on. So right now, our questions for 2021 are on the government. Will it be divided or not? And will the retail sales numbers that we saw kind of as weak since November 1, will that cause a double-dip recession? When you factored in with other government shutdowns and lack of holiday travel, you get the idea. Interesting note, the NFL is moving into the last weekend of the year. The NFL, as part of its recently completed collective bargaining agreement, is planning on extending next season to 17 games, which gives us one more weekend. Something tells me a key critical player is going to get hurt in week 17 next year and people are going to be upset. The regular season is going to take 18 weeks to complete because they get one by a week, right? The Super Bowl is now typically done in the first week of February. It will be done in the second weekend of February, which means three-day weekend, which means America gets what they wanted without really getting what they wanted. A lot of people wanted the day after the Super Bowl to be a holiday so they can get drunk, do gambling, sporting, betting pools, and drink copious amounts of alcohol and eat crazy amounts of ribs. Poor cows, poor pigs. Poor pigs, right? <laughs> <It's>, um, <clears throat> so if the Super Bowl falls on a third or second week in February, that means it's going to fall on President's Day. Thus, America wakes up and doesn't have to go to work on. Isn't this weird that we're talking about it? Like, <laughs> almost gleefully. <laughs> and it's this time next year, right? No, no, I guess not this time next year. This time next year, plus the playoffs. But we're talking about, like, a three-day weekend tied to the Super Bowl. It's all about money, right? The league salary cap for 2020 was $198.2 million. An extended season would likely prevent the cap from dipping below $175 million for the 2021 season. Um, Again, you just wonder how much your body can take because that's a violent sport. But right? I will stop being the voice of reason here. Let's move back to stocks, shall we? Um. One stock that I think is going to benefit from the reopening, and this is when I start talking very granular, and everyone should know that you should consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned. We know the airlines. We know the cruise lines. We know the gambling casinos. We've talked about reopening plays or stay-at-home plays. But there was one reopening play that really struck me as this might work out in your head for you. It might be that you're you're like, no, 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 I'd rather do Southwest. I feel better about that than what you're about to say. And I get it. You you should have a healthy amount of skepticism and a healthy amount of figuring it out on your own ism. Yelp could get a good review this time next year. They have been providing me with data on closures of restaurants, permanent closures of small businesses. They've gone into a different kind of survival mode. The widespread shutdown of indoor dining has weighed heavily on anyone tied towards recommendations of restaurants. Yelp shares have lost 20% of their value this year. That's exactly the kind of scenario that I'm looking for. Someone who's underperformed. Well, not everyone is underperformed. We've seen companies like DraftKings Rock and Roll through the recovery on a play on next year. We've seen the airlines recover somewhat. We've seen the cruise lines recover somewhat. We've seen hotels recover somewhat. Not so much for Yelp. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. So one strong possibility is that 2021 starts with some profit taking. It's that time of the year where predictions and you know uh, magic eight balls and crystal balls come out. I would not be surprised when you take a look at how well the markets have done in the U.S. The S and P, the Dow. NASDAQ, all having major growth spurts this year. The Dow, the weakest of the group. When I look at my end-of-the-year finances, which I've done recently, I'm up in my real estate, my stocks, my income. It's been a good year. But you have to be realistic of some of those things are liquid assets. And some people could decide to sell. I started playing with the financial real estate analysis Analysis. of one of my rental properties. And honestly, I think I should let it go. Tenant is out in April. And I'm like, that's a good time to sell. Been a great tenant, but you never know, right? Yelp was the stock that I was talking about before break as a potential recovery play on 2021. The shutdown of indoor dining has weighed heavily on anyone who does online recommendations. And they're right there. I've told the story once, but I'll tell it again in case you missed it real quick. Um, Many years ago, I sat on the apartment floor (laughs) of a Friday night get together and Talked to the CEO of Yelp, not knowing he was going to be the CEO of Yelp. He pitched his idea to me. Later that night, me and my girlfriend were rambling, robbling, talking. And uh, the robble turned to, what would you think of him? How's this company going to be? I was like, I don't get it. Yellow pages on the internet. And I didn't see that he was going to be basically blackmailing small businesses to pay-for-play on positioning on online reviews. Yelp shares have had a pretty rough go of it. Yelp is trading for a modest two-times estimated forward sales, which is pretty modest when you look at companies that are in similar situations. Now, sometimes you look at price-to-earnings on companies. Sometimes you look at price-to-sales. Sometimes you look at EBITDA you're going to develop a metric that is is important to you, intrinsic book value maybe for your financials. But when you take a look at pandemic numbers, it doesn't hurt to group similar companies together. It may not help you, but it doesn't hurt you. So when you take a look at Yelp, you're probably saying, let's take a look at TripAdvisor. Let's take a look at Booking Holdings. Let's take a look at anyone who's in the travel, leisure restaurant kind of space TripAdvisor does something pretty similar So when you compare Yelp to TripAdvisor TripAdvisor is trading at three and a half times sales Whereas Yelp's trading at two times and Booking Holdings is trading eight times Which one of them is cheaper? That cheap doesn't always equal value though, right? So I will say this that i plan to go on a trip in an airplane in the next 52 weeks i plan to go to a restaurant that i've never been to i plan to get online and book a reservation for said restaurant i plan to look and see like if the menu matches my dining taste so i think yelp does make some sense for years, Yelp relied on a big sales team to pedal ads to mom-and-pop businesses. Now the model is shifting. Yelp has rolled out a self-service system that businesses can use to buy ads without salespeople. It's selling ads to businesses with multiple locations, including national chains. The company monetizes only about 20% of its leads that it generates from its home services division. It's taking steps to increase that total. Of monetization because that will flow to the bottom line and they've already got the customer there. Um, for contractors, there's been some lead generation tools like request a quote. I'm pretty easy. <clears throat> I had some pavement dug up in my home the other week. <clears throat> Basically, I have a driveway that's starting to crumble on the edges of the city road. I know the city's never going to come fix it, so I had to fix it, right? Um, I've never done that kind of work. You know, basic construction, I can do, no problem. But when you start pouring hot tar and getting a steamroller that I don't know how big steamrollers get, I don't understand how to drive them. They've got the funny gear thing. I'm like, I got to pay someone. Now, none of my friends... I reached out to on Facebook said that they had done any pavement work. <laughs> Where do you go? You go to Yelp. And you're, you're looking for the reviews that You're ever so carefully because I think it's fair to say some reviews are stacked in both directions. So Yelp is one of those places that you come to when you need work done and we'll all get more work done and we'll all go to different restaurants in 2021. Revenue was down 16% from a year ago, but it's up 31% from the June quarter. Um, Some analysts have started upgrading shares of Yelp. I'm throwing it out there as just, again, the more we learn to think about investing in pandemics, the more we learn to think about investing in normalized market conditions, in distressed market conditions. So COVID-19 vaccines are positive for the reopening trade. And we'll see 1 million become 2 million, 2 million become 4 million. And we'll look at the number of deaths. Where are we at now? 320,000, 330,000. And we'll start going, well, we've got a lot more people vaccinated than people who've died. And the numbers in our head will start making a little bit more sense on the reopening. And our confidence will grow. Again, could it all go to heck in a handbasket? they one of the studies that or not the studies even yet. One of the rumors is if you've had Botox, you probably don't want to get the vaccine until the Botox is out of your system. Face fillers, as they're lovingly referred to. But again, that's that's not even science. That's just a few reports over the news on the weekend. Yelp projects revenue for the December quarter to be in the range of two hundred twenty two hundred thirty million. All the recent shutdowns of investors worried about a miss. There's a retail Armageddon apocalypse scenario that is for sure real and problematic as Christmas is still recovering from Thanksgiving infections across the nation. I can't imagine that's going to be loving in the next couple of weeks. That's going to be bad headline news, not a good headline news. It's going to bring up questions. But again, once we got a million vaccines, which we're at, I think the the sway of confidence should start swaying. This whole segment's been dedicated to Yelp and Rob Black's strong desire to go to a new city. And let's say I go to Shanghai. I won't know any restaurants there. Let's say I go to Honolulu. I won't know any restaurants there. They won't even necessarily be there, right? The ones that we've heard about, the legendary ones, that people travel for. On Maui, there's an island or not an island, well, Maui is an island, right, in theory. Don't get all technical on me on geography, please. Uh, But there's a a restaurant called Mama's Fish House that is unbelievable. It's the coolest restaurant in the world, and it doesn't explain terribly easily. On the menu, I mean, it's not the coolest restaurant in the world, because I know there has to be cooler, but on the menu, they tell you what time your fish was caught that day. So the menus are printed daily, and they tell you where the longitude latitude was when the captain you know, snared your win, so to speak, in the food chain victory tallies. And I'm like, I hope that restaurant didn't go out. I hope the locals picked up fish. I hope they stayed in business. Like, But Yelp will give me that answer in the coming months and the coming years. And also, it doesn't hurt that Google is front and center in antitrust litigation right now. And Google's arrival in reviewing restaurants and home services, so that could result in measures that help Yelp. I've been talking a lot about 2021 being not the greatest year for big tech. Amazon, Apple, Google are all going to have to go to Washington numerous times to say why they're not evil big companies. So, companies like Yelp, it doesn't necessarily come to your thought as, well, they're strong, but it comes to your head as, if the government's going to protect them somewhat. Or if the company's gonna make concessions to help them so as to stay out of the government's crosshairs, Yelp kinda makes a little bit of sense. So the broker virus reaction on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. So one analyst came out and said, I don't see Apple building a car. She works for a company called um, TFI. So Ming Ku, he said, it's too early for anyone to know whose Apple suppliers for car parts might be. And he also said he wouldn't be surprised if the Apple car doesn't launch until 2028. Um, even though reports last week started hitting 2024. Ku has built a reputation for accurately revealing Apple's product launch plans before they really are known to the public because they're known to the supply chain. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com dot com or robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to rob black's twitter his handle is at rob black show listen to rob black and your money weekday mornings 7 to 9 on am 1220 kdow i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing end of the year What's on your financial mind? Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Five or so airline stocks would probably be made up of the best of the group. When you start looking at airline stocks and you're starting to go, okay, there's Delta. And then you can go through the list, right? Stop somewhere around three, four, or five. Same thing with semiconductor stocks, same thing with video game stocks. You can always find another one. And that's where I think you tend to go a little off the beaten trail too often. And you get into trouble. Some airline stocks are certainly going to be on a lot of people's what should I do for twenty twenty-one? They differ like golden clay. I'll be honest with you. Um You know how Tesla doesn't have the old legacy concerns that GM and Ford have? They're not paying people's pensions that retired 20, 30, 40 years ago. Tesla's like, no, no, we do 401ks. We don't cover, we don't take that good a care of you like they did. So same thing could kind of be said for Southwest doesn't have a lot of the legacy costs that traditional airlines do. And that may be your play. I, I don't know. Uh, in the 1970s, Warren Buffett famously bought TWA, who eventually goes bankrupt. The joke was TWA was known as teeny-weeny airlines when it was all said and done, right? And he was out of that industry for a long time. But it's noteworthy that he got back into it pre-pandemic and during the pandemic, his voice carried a lot of weight with airline stocks. Now, airline stocks are recovering with the vaccine approvals. As there's hope for travel, there's no longer bargains to be had on airline travel. The sector's up 39% since early November versus up 13% for the S&P 500. So money's already flowing into a sector that's had a lot of turbulence. Domestic travel is about 35% of what it was pre-pandemic. International's down more than 80%. $15 billion cash infusion saved the airlines, right? Or do they need more? So will there be more furloughs? It's a big question of... The path to profitability, the path to ramping back up through the economic rival, revival of 2021, and the dri- rival their success of previous years, the airlines had it going pretty good in 2018, 2019. They had it going pretty good. We were doing stories on this show on a regular basis talking about, oh, and they're raising the price of luggage. Luggage used to be $5 bag. Then it went to $10 bag. Now it's $25 bag. Now it's going to be up to... How much is it going to be? For me, I almost want to buy clothes in my destination to then pay to send my non-vacation clothes on vacation with me. That's how crazy it got with the the fees tied towards baggage, right? A lot of these companies are priced for a V-shaped recovery, so that's where you need to be very cautious. Pricing is expected to recover to the tune of about 80% of 2019 revenue into 2022. So that's a reasonable time frame. We're already at 2021. We're days away from it. No. Airlines have done a good job of slashing operating expenses. So they should come into a recovery leaner on their balance sheets. Leaner means meaner, right? They've cut their... They've worked on a bloated debt load. So they've been recapitalized by the federal government. If the carriers can stay disciplined about restoring capacity and not hitting price wars just to get butts in seats, there's some winners to be had here. And your players are, again, always go with like the list of five. And then after you get more than that, you're like, really, do I need that many more? Delta Airlines is a bet on business and international recovery. Southwest Airlines would be a bet on domestic leisure class uh, that could gain share in new markets. Then you start getting into foreign carriers like Allegiant Travel. They're a budget carrier heading for profitability. Ryanair was a low-cost leader with strong finances similar to Southwest you're like, but, but but how about I just play Boeing? You can play Boeing if you want. That's another one for sure. But you have to come up with reasons yourself. <laughs> Delta being a play on business and international travel. Um, they get better margins on that. They've amassed $25 billion in cash and liquidity, and it's one of the strongest transatlantic route structures, including flights out of its hub out of Atlanta, busiest airport in America. So I can make a case for Southwest. Southwest is the strongest domestic carrier. They fly places that I want to go. They have 34 of the highly fuel-efficient planes of the 737 MAX. They have an order for another 48, so they're going, you know, PR be damned, we're going forward with the 737 MAX. It's going to save us money on our flights. So... Carrier's balance sheet is pretty ironclad. And they've come out of, they've had 25 straight years of profitability in an industry that's not known for being consistently profitable. They're working with different platforms. Um, so it trades at premium right now, but it's also a premium company in an industry that's been bumpy. I brought this up as a way of you have to learn how to analyze on your own and learn how to compare is a gift to the intelligent investor. Find me online at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more.